All right, let's open our Bibles, please, to the book of Galatians, chapter 5. And I want to read verses 14 through 18. And once again, I forgot the offering, so ushers, come on up, please. I got to break my old habits here of uh, not praying for the offering. And I need to do that. And I keep forgetting, so I apologize to all of you. Because this is a really important part of the service. Just as important as worship, just as important as the preaching of the Word of God is our giving to the Lord because it represents our hard work, our labor, the sweat of our brow that we want to invest into the kingdom. So let's pray right now, okay? Father, in the name of Jesus, I apologize, Lord, for forgetting the offering, Lord. And I pray right now, God, that you would bless it. This is very special. This is very important. This is what keeps the church going. And this is what keeps the kingdom of God, Lord Jesus, uh, moving forward. So we pray, Father, for this offering. Bless the gift and the giver. Help us to be obedient in our in our giving here uh, tonight, Lord. And also, we pray for the reading of your word here tonight, that you would bless it and anoint it. And again, I ask for your help, Lord. Every single time I come up here, we need your help, Lord, on this altar, on this pulpit, Lord, to speak in your name, Lord God, to represent you and your glory and your holiness. Help us, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said... Amen. Very good. Okay, Galatians chapter 5, starting at verse 14. I want to read verses 14 through 18, and it says this. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware, lest you be consumed by one another. I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now, last week we looked at this, this, and we looked actually at verses 13 through 15, and we learned the sad reality of our natural human nature. Sadly, we all struggle with selfishness, and we all struggle with a sinful nature. And the Bible tells us, unfortunately, sadly, that we are all sinners, and the only reason we have salvation is because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Amen, church? But but we are continually wrestling with that sinful nature within us. James chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, it says this, what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. Again, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 21, it says this, For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But we're learning and we're striving as the people of God to understand that the Holy Spirit is in us also. And the Holy Spirit is striving to retrain us or to change our way of thinking so that we are not self-consumed, but instead we are always conscious of God and conscious of those who are now around us. We want to go from being selfish to selfless. 
And we need God, we need God's help to do this. God desires that we begin to look outside of ourselves and look to the needs and interests of others. We find this in Philippians chapter two, verses three through five, where God says this in the Bible. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. And by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. We learned about the law of love. To, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. This is the law of God that he wants to implant within our hearts, to always honor the Lord. And by honoring the Lord, he's going to help us to honor each other. Can you say amen, church? We need God's help to be able to do that. Now, let's remember something very important here that we discussed earlier. These false teachers that were infiltrating the Galatian churches, they were trying to get the new believers to prove their love for God by making them submit to physical circumcision. These young believers were so committed to God and in love with God that they were willing to submit to physical circumcision. These young believers were so in love with God that they were willing to go through the physical pain of circumcision. Now, to be circumcised as a baby is one thing, but to be circumcised as a boy or as a teen or as an adult, that is madness. And how many of you are glad that we don't have to do that? Man, can I have an amen from all you men out there? Can you say amen? Because you see, that is not required anymore. The Apostle Paul is explaining to the young Galatians, to the believers, that proving our love to God is greater than physical circumcision. It requires that we allow God, through the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit, to cut away all things that have to do with our flesh and sinful nature, those things that grieve God, to cut away all things that are contrary to loving and serving God, and to cut away all things that are contrary to loving and serving one another. Circumcision or true circumcision is circumcision of the heart. In other words, the apostle Paul is saying, what good does it do for you to get a physical circumcision and then to live your life in disobedience or in rebellion against God? How many of you are getting what I'm saying? Can you say amen? God is after our heart, cleaning up our heart, the attitude of our heart. He's after our mind, cleaning up our mind. He's after our lifestyle, making sure that the way we live is a way, that we're living in a way that gives glory to the Lord. And that we be willing to allow God's spirit and God's word, which is sharper than any two-edged sword, to cut away those things that are not godly in our lives. And when that happens, church, it's painful. It's difficult. It's a challenge because some of us do not want to get rid of those things that we know grieve God or that we know are, are, are not healthy for the kingdom of God. Let me repeat what I said before. Proving our love to God 
And love to people is greater than physical circumcision. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 through 3 says this. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, your entire body, not just one part of your body, but your entire body, your entire soul, your entire spirit, your entire mind, that you present your bodies as whole, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We have to allow God by his spirit to change the way we think from being selfish to being selfless by change it from being uh, glorifying ourselves to bringing glory to God. Can you say amen church? This is our struggle, our constant struggle. And then, uh, so again, proving our love to God and love to people is greater than physical circumcision. It requires that we allow God, through the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit, to cut away all things that have to do with our flesh and sinful, selfish nature. To cut away all things that are contrary to loving and serving God. And to cut away all things that are contrary to living and serving one another. Again, It continues in Romans chapter 12, verse 3, and it says this, For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly or humbly, as God has dealt to each one of us a measure of faith. So God is challenging us, to honor him more than ourselves, and not only that, but to honor others more than ourselves, and to be willing to do whatever is necessary for the sake of others. Now remember, this walk with Jesus is not about you, and it's not about me. This walk with Jesus is about Jesus, who dwells in you, and who dwells in me. This is all about the will of God being revealed in and through you, in and through me. How many of you desire God's will in your life? Can you say amen? Then it means that certain things that he deals with us have to be dealt with, have to, in a sense, be cut away. This is all about God, allowing God through the power of his word and the anointing of God through the power of the Holy Spirit to cut away those things that are contrary to living our lives for God or to circumcise our hearts. In our text for today, we see a clear picture of the conflict within us, a battle that rages daily every single day of our lives as we strive to follow the law of love, love for God, and love for one another. This is the battle in Galatians 5, 14 through 18. For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another. Beware lest you be consumed by one another. I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Allow the spirit of God to cut away at those areas of our flesh that are warring against our spirit so that we can be more like the Lord. Verse 17, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. So that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under 
the law. In verse 14, it defines for us the importance of love. In verse 15, it defines for us the consequences of breaking the law of love. It results in biting one another, devouring one another, consuming and destroying one another. In verse 16, it defines for us how we have victory over the destructive powers of the flesh or over our sinful self, submitting ourselves to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will cut away at the destructive powers of the flesh. But then in verse 17, it gives us a true picture of the battle that rages within each and every one of us who are children of God. The flesh lusts against the spirit. The spirit wars against the flesh. They are contrary to one another. And this is happening inside, in our hearts and in our minds. We want to obey God and submit to God, but the flesh is also a very powerful force. The only power that can defeat the flesh is God's spirit that also abides in us. Again, how many of you are thankful for the Holy Spirit? Amen. Without the Holy Spirit, we wouldn't have a chance, people. We would not even have a chance. There was a, our assistant pastor, his name was Frank Edwards. I know that uh, Terry and Sandy remember him. I know that Madeline remembers him. I'm, I'm not really sure. Roy, I'm sure, was here. I can't remember who was here when Frank Edwards was our assistant pastor. He was the assistant pastor to our pastor Carl Burns, who was here uh, from the beginning of the church. And he would always say this quote when he would lead worship. Okay, And I'm not sure where this quote came from. I did find it. Uh, in a book that was published by in 1997 by Elliot Rosen and Alan Burstein, okay? But he would all, always he would always mention this quote. He says, "A native or this little story, a native American elder once described his own inner struggles in this manner. Inside of me there are two dogs. One of the dogs is mean and evil. The other dog is good." The mean dog fights the good dog all the time. All the time. They're always fighting these two dogs inside. When asked which dog wins, he reflected for a moment and replied, the one I feed the most. That's the one who wins. The one I feed the most. So if I feed the dog within me, that is mean and evil, then he's going to win. But if I feed the dog within me that is good, then he is going to win. Now, I need to have the courage to be perfectly honest and clear here. All of us have enough of the evil nature and sinful nature in us so that we don't need any kind of outside stimulus to activate it. Did you hear what I just said? All of us have enough evil within us so that we don't need any outside stimulus to activate it. Why? Because we can activate the evil within us with our own minds. We all have very powerful minds. We all have very powerful imaginations. We all have very powerful fantasies and desires and passions. Now, some of these are okay and some of them are not, depending on what your situation is. However, when we feed our evil or sinful nature from the outside and stimulate our sinful nature from outside sources, then, of course, we're setting ourselves up for failure. So, 
It just makes sense that the more we starve our sinful nature or the more we stay away from outside influences that we know will cause us to stumble, the less pain we will have to endure in order to fight off those things that we know break God's heart. Remember, physical sir, I'm trying to relate physical circumcision to spiritual circumcision. Physical circumcision the cutting away of that flesh is very painful. Well, listen, when you and I allow sin to dominate our hearts, when it comes time to cutting away that sin out of our lives, guess what? It's going to be very painful. That's why God says, try to avoid that as much as possible because you're only going to bring more pain on yourselves. Did everyone hear what I just said? Okay. Now, so it makes sense for us to stay away from those things that we know will cause us ourselves to stumble and that will cause more pain and that will break the heart of God. First Corinthians chapter six, verse 18 says this, flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. The Bible says, every time I read this scripture, it says to flee sexual immorality. Unfortunately, our sinful nature says, I want to go towards sexual immorality. So it's a fight. It's a struggle. Who wins is the one that we feed the most. God says to flee. Our flesh says, I want it. What are we going to do? 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 14. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11. But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22. It says this. Flee also youthful lusts. But pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. There will be times that you and I cannot flee. And in those times that we cannot flee, we need to submit ourselves to the care of our God. We need to resist, resist the devil. We need to take our stand against the enemy until he has to flee from us. That's where we get James chapter 4 verse 7 from. It says this, therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. How many of you think that it's a good idea to see the devil flee from you once in a while? Can you say amen? That's what we need to strive for. Okay. First Corinthians chapter 10 verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. All of us go through the same thing. I don't care how righteous you look or how holy you look or how spiritual you look or how good you think you are. All of us struggle with the same emotions, passions, desires, and war that's going on within our soul. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is Faithful. Can you guys say that with me? God is faithful. Let's say it one more time. God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to 
bear it. Bearing it is tough. It is hard. It is painful. It is difficult. It is sacrificial. You have to present your body as a living sacrifice. Are you, do you love God enough tonight to present your body as a living sacrifice to say, God, do whatever you got to do. Help me to stay faithful to you, Lord. Second Peter 2.9, let me just read part of it. It says this, the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations. First Peter 2.23, who when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. Sometimes you and I just have to say, Lord, you know what? I don't know what's going on here. I don't like it. I don't understand it. I don't see how I'm going to get out of it. It doesn't make any sense. This is very painful. But you know what? I'm going to put my life in your hands, Lord. I'm going to submit my life to you to get me out of this thing. I don't know how it's going to happen. But I'm going to rely on you, not on my flesh, not on my own strength, but on you, Jesus, to get me through this situation. And we discipline ourselves and we feed our spiritual man. Uh, when we when we do discipline ourselves, when we do feed our spiritual man by going to church, by reading our word, taking time to pray, honoring God with our bodies, honoring God with our finances, flee those opportunities that would lead us to sin, then we have a good chance of making it through the day without giving it to our carnal or sinful man. But even if we do everything right, is everyone listening to me? Even if we do everything right, I'm talking to all of us who are men and women that love the Lord here tonight. Even when we do everything right, there are outside forces that are beyond our control that will weaken us. A billboard that we see out on the road. A certain song that plays on the intercom while you're at work or in the mall. A certain guy or girl that you see and there is a connection or there is a attraction. Certain smells will trigger our sinful nature. We just don't know when things are going to happen or when we're going to be blindsided or when we're going to be hit uh, in some way. And so that's why we need to just always turn to Jesus no matter where we're at. But our chances of success are multiplied in our favor when we spend time with our God. Thank God for you guys that are here on Wednesday night. This should be a Sunday morning message. Or a Christmas message. We need to get those people that rarely go to church. And that rarely commit themselves to the Lord. Because what you're doing here tonight is a good thing. You're keeping yourselves strong and focused and alert and close to Jesus. And that's a good thing. You're feeding the good dog in you. So that it could be victorious over that bad and evil dog that's also within you and me. So the more the more of God that we get the better chances that we are that we have of being successful in our walk with the Lord and of pleasing the Lord. Galatians chapter 5 concludes with this. By defining for us some examples of the works of the flesh and by defining for us the fruit or evidence of being led by the Holy Spirit. Let me just read these. In Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 23, it says this. Now the works of the flesh are evident or very easily seen, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, 
envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. Or these are just some examples of the many, many things that can cause or bring destruction in our lives. And then it says this, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. There is a picture of the good dog and there's a picture of the evil dog. And we have to make a decision what is going to rule in our hearts and in our lives. Now, the key word here is found in Galatians chapter 5, verse 21. And that key word is the word practice. Practice. Let me read it again in verse 21. Envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. I wanted to define the word practice for you, and it says this, to carry out or perform a particular activity, method, or custom habitually or regularly. Habitually or regularly. And here's the key, you guys. Does God know that we sin? He sure does. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 and 9, in verse 8 it says, If anyone says he does not sin, he's a liar. You are in denial. You're not, you're in a fantasy world. Okay. And when we do sin, what does God want us to do? First John 1 9, if you confess your sin, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all our unrighteousness. So when we do sin and we do mess up and we do wrong, whether it's in thought or in action, we need to go to the Lord immediately and say, God, please forgive me. Why? Because he does not want us to get into a pattern of practicing that sin, making the habit of that sin. If you are in adultery, God wants you to repent of that adultery. And will God forgive you of that adultery if you repent and you turn away from it and you get away from it? Will God forgive you of that? But he wants us to turn away from it. Now, there may be consequences for that adultery. You may end up losing your marriage. If it were me as a pastor, I may end up losing my ministry. I may end up losing my marriage or my family. But if I confess before God, and if I ask God to forgive me, there may be consequences. I may have lost, but I will have peace with God because I've abandoned that practice of adultery, no longer walking in it, and I'm walking with the Lord. Yes, I have a loss, but I have peace with Jesus. And it mentions fornication. Fornication is living together without being married. And unfortunately and sadly, there's quite a few couples in our own church that are in this condition. And what is God saying? You got to do something about that. You can't continue to live in that kind of relationship. Why? Because you're in danger of not inheriting the kingdom of God. So the Bible is saying, don't allow this sinful behavior to become a practice or a habit. You need to be willing to make the sacrifice because of your love for God and say, you know what? I'm willing to cut that away or to make it right. You either need to get married or you need to break up and live separately. But you cannot continue to practice that sin. 
Same thing with sorcery. Same thing with drunkenness. Same thing with all the things that are mentioned here in the Bible. God says, don't practice these things. Repent of these things. Let them go. Get away from that. And you'll have forgiveness and you'll be able to move forward. We get in danger or we endanger our own salvation and our own walk with God and relationship with the Lord when we allow ourselves to practice these things without being willing to cut them away. Is it easy to cut them away? Is it painless cutting them away? How many of you would agree that it's hard and painful to cut away these things that we enjoy doing or that are habitual in our lives? Can you say amen? That's why we need God's help. That's why we need the Lord to give us the strength that we need to say, you know what? If this is what God wants, and if this is what God says, I want to be obedient, and I want the Lord to be the Lord of my life, and I'm willing to do whatever it takes to submit to his word, to his instruction, because I am a follower of Jesus Christ. Let's pray right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray, Lord God, that you will help us, Father, to be willing to sacrifice our bodies to present our bodies as living sacrifices and to allow your word and your spirit, Lord God, to cut away those things that are not of you that grieve your heart and Lord God yes it is painful and yes it is difficult and yes it is sacrificial and yes Lord God it may there may be some serious consequences but Lord it will bring life it will bring life to our souls and to our hearts and so we pray right now God that you would be with your people Lord and as you speak to us Lord as you make very clear to us your will and your purpose for our lives, I pray, Father, that we would be willing to make those decisions, Lord God, that will glorify you. If you're here tonight and you say, Jerry, I am not a Christian. I have never surrendered my life to Jesus. And I want to do that here tonight. If that's you here this, this evening, I want to say this prayer of repentance with you. Just repeat this prayer with me. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I acknowledge that I am a sinner. I ask you, Jesus, to come into my life. Forgive me of all my sins through the cross and through the blood of Calvary. And Lord Jesus, I ask you to write my name in the Lamb's book of life. So if I die or if you come back for us, Jesus, I will go to heaven. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Let's give glory to the Lord here tonight. Amen. Hallelujah. God bless your church. Listen, if any of you need any prayer, the altar is open. We want to take time to pray with you here tonight and encourage you in the things of the Lord. If you're willing to let anything, leave anything at the altar, you feel free to come on up right now. And we will pray. God bless you guys. Thank you, Jesus.